Welcome back to the E-Lead Inclusive Podcast. I'm your host, Amira Williams, and in today's episode, we'll be continuing our Meet the Advisory Board series with Mr. Lawrence Pope. So a little bit more about Mr. Lawrence Pope. He's the Executive Vice President of Administrations and Chief Human Resources Officer at Halliburton. He embodies the leadership in engineering leadership with his global responsibilities for supply chain, information technology, human resources, real estate services, corporate aviation, and more. Stick around to learn more about what makes Lawrence Pope, Lawrence Pope, here only on the E-Lead Inclusive Podcast. Hello, Mr. Pope. Hi there. How are you? Pleasure to be here. <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. All I right. think we'll find out. <laughs> um, can you do a brief introduction of yourself and kind of how you got to where you are today? Well, uh, my name is Lawrence Pope, um, and I work for a company based in Houston called Halliburton, and we are in a service provider to the oil and gas industry. Um, we're a company of about 40,000 employees. We work in 80 different countries around the world. And I've been with the company now, I'm going to age myself here, 31 years. And uh, it's the first company I joined out of college, and I've stayed in, stayed with the company throughout my career. I uh, started off in human resources mm-hmm. and uh, navigated through the company, done lots of different things, um, been in supply chain, manufacturing, all kinds of different functions. And so now my current responsibility is I'm the chief administrative officer of the company. Nice. Wow. Um, so you said you, this was the first company you worked out of, like right out of college. Mm-hmm. Where did you go to school? I am a graduate of uh, fellow school of the of UTEP, so I, I graduated from uh, the University of Texas in Austin, mm-hmm. uh, and then I also did an MBA at Rice University in Houston. Oh, nice. Um, are you from Texas, or...? Not originally. Maybe you're detecting a little accent yes. here. So actually, I've got kind of got... I'm, I'm really from nowhere. I, uh, my parents were British, so I was born in England, mm-hmm. uh, but then growing up, uh, my my dad was in the engineering construction business so we moved to a different place in the world about every two or three years every time they were building a new project and so I lived in beautiful places such as Romania and Algeria wow. and Abu Dhabi and in wow. you know just lots of different places and finally moved to Texas um, right before college mm-hmm. and then I've been in Texas ever since. So how did moving around so much play a part in your childhood? Uh, I think it's a great question. Um, I think, look, there were pros and cons on both sides. I think, um, you know, the the downside of it is, uh, unlike growing up in one place your entire life, you don't build the roots in that particular community. Um, you don't have those lifelong friendships that you grow up with people for many, many years. Uh, but on the other hand, I think what it did for me by moving around is it showed me how big this world really is, mm-hmm. exposed me to all kinds of different cultures. Um, I met, to, got to meet people who I would have never envisioned meeting before in my life, and they have stayed friends mm-hmm. during, during my life. Uh, but I do think it's the, it's the cultural exposure and understanding, um, you know, what's really out there in the world. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm a bit of a military kid, so okay. I kind of relate to the um, always like moving around. So how did kind of being exposed to so many cultures help you um, while in your position at HR in Halliburton? Yeah, again, a great question. I think that, you know, for me, uh, when I look at our company, uh, I think, again, you've got to understand kind of the demographics of our company. 
Um, we, we're, we're a big company, 40,000 plus, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, we've got over 120 different nationalities of employees working for us around the world. In most of the places we work, we are employing people who are local to that particular uh, country in which we're working. So I think as an HR professional based out of, out of uh, the United States, mm -hmm. it's given me a different perspective about uh, what motivates and engages employees in different parts of the world, and it's, and it's not always the American way, right? Yeah. So um, I think I, that that cultural exposure I had growing up has helped sensitize me to that and made me more culturally sensitive. So then kind of moving on to more like of your many roles in Halliburton, how did you, I guess, climb that ladder there? Uh, um, I guess I've really never thought about that. It's, um, um, it, you know, I think a few things that, that I would say is a continual desire to learn. It never stops, even when you finish you know, college. Um, you're always trying to learn new things. I've, I've remained committed to educating myself, uh, maybe formal academic programs, again, like going and get an MBA, doing development programs that the companies offered, um, uh, reading a lot. Um, but, and then in terms of the job itself, um, what I've done in navigating through the, the company is looked at things that I thought would be interesting and sometimes taking a risk. Mm -hmm. And so I spent, like I said, in the early part of my career in human resources, then I made the decision that I thought finance was going to be exciting, so I jumped into finance. Uh, then I jumped into manufacturing and real estate, and all of these things just just helped broaden me as as an individual uh, and contributed to the organization. Um, you know, focused on leadership development, leadership development skills, and in focused on you know picking out mentors in the organization. And that's helped me advance to the position I am. And fortunately, I, I think people recognized uh, leadership skills and the broad background I brought, and, uh, and they gave me opportunities. And then it's good old-fashioned hard work and dedication mm -hmm. on top of that. So uh, I think that's, that's what really has contributed mm -hmm. to it. So in what position were you able to make, like, the most change? Um, you know, I think change is different by position. Um, so I was making changes in my very first job that I went into Halliburton. My first job was a recruiter. So, you know, change there, I was helping to change the life of people that I was recruiting by providing them job opportunities. You know, and so, and then as I moved into different jobs, there's different things that you can change. I guess ultimately now in the role that I'm in, um, I have a significant portfolio. So when I make changes, they're pretty dramatic changes across that span the entire organization. Um, so, but, but again, the, you're always looking for ways that how do you improve the company? How do you improve the working environment for people that are working in the company? How do you provide a better experience for our shareholders? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, those are the type of changes that, that I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. I think that kind of also ties into the mission of eLead. So then can you tell me what drew you into eLead and how did you become a member of the advisory board? Yeah, that's a really good question. So because we've been involved, or Halliburton's been involved, and I specifically since really the inception of the E-Lead program. And what we found a number of years ago is, is we recruit a lot of engineers every year. And we recruit engineers from, from universities all over the United States and all over the world. And what was happening in our company, we were getting the best technical talent 
that was available in recruiting engineers into our organization. And because we provide pretty rapid advancement within our organization, we had some top technical talent that we'd recruited that were being put into management positions. Mm -hmm. And what we found was the universities were graduating exceptional engineers and technical talent, but when it came to moving into positions of responsibility where you're managing people and you're managing budgets and leading teams, those skills were lacking. Mm -hmm. And so you know, our thought process was let's partner with universities and help universities understand that we need technical talent who have leadership capabilities in managerial capabilities. And so we approached UTEP um, and UTEP embraced it. Um, and that's part of how eLead came about was the need and the recognition uh, by UTEP. And UTEP was really one of the leaders in this area uh, in, in creating a new program. So not only were we developing or UTEP developing uh, really good technical talent, but also making sure that the graduates had business skills and leadership mm -hmm. skills. And uh, I think that for anybody who goes through this program who can bring both, um, a student is really going to be differentiating himself or herself mm -hmm. from other graduates of other engineering programs because you have those leadership skills and you have those business skills and those are so sorely needed now in, in today's business. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, is, is an alumni of, of UTEP, mm -hmm. um, graduated from the engineering school and I've got to know him very well being on our board and you know kind of his vision aligned with with my vision in terms of what we needed in terms of the future of engineering and, and leadership skills and uh, he introduced me to to uh, UTEP and uh, as I said UTEP I found one of the most engaging embracing um, schools out there in this new concept of, of engineering and, and you know what companies are really looking for. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more about your college days? Oh, maybe I don't want to talk about those. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, look, I was, I was, um, I would say I enjoyed my undergraduate years. My parents will probably tell you I enjoyed it a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. um, I, um, for me, it was going through a cultural change of moving from being international to my first experience in, in the United States and then going off to college right away when you move into the United States and mm -hmm. you get the freedoms. Uh, that you get. Uh, so I, I did, uh, I would say I did average academically and probably excelled in the social life mm -hmm. of, of being in UT Austin. Uh, don't regret it for a second mm -hmm. and uh, really made the most of the experience. Uh, and then I think it was later on after I'd graduated from UT, uh, worked for a little while and then went back and got my MBA that I really understood the importance of the focus on the academics. And so um, I really focused on academics in, in business school, MBA mm -hmm. business school versus in my undergraduate years. But uh, I, I certainly made the most of UT Austin, <laughs> that's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, can you give us a little bit of college advice? Um, I, would, I would say, look, this is a great opportunity. It's, it's one, one of the most fun times in your life. Um, manage it like it's a job, mm -hmm. uh, meaning, you know, you're, you're going to work every day to learn. Um, you will get out of your college experience what you put into your college experience. Mm -hmm. So if you immerse yourself in your academics, if you network through joining clubs that are available, 
Uh, if you reach out to the faculty, I think you'll find the faculty extremely engaging. Uh, but you can, you in my mind, you you control your own destiny in college, mm-hmm. and um, and it's part of that. It's that point in life where you've gone from structure in academia through high school to now in college, where it really turns on its head and it's available to you. But you're the one who has to manage that structure yourself. And uh, so I would I would learn you know, how to manage that structure, how to leverage everything that's available to you in, in the college. But at the same time, have a great time, have fun mm-hmm. um, while you're here. Uh, because when you go to work, you're going to have different pressures. You're going to be running a household. You'll have financial pressures. You'll have family issues, you, you know. So, but, so enjoy your college experience, but, but, but soak it up as well while you're here. Mm-hmm. Can you give us kind of um, a story about like maybe a career high that you may have had? Mm, let's see, a career high. Um, well, I guess mine might have been more on, I mean, one of the things that to me as a career high is, is, and it's just a minor thing, is again, early on in my career, is I was in the position, I guess a privileged position where I was actually doing hiring for the company. Mm-hmm. And to be able to sit across from a prospective uh, employee or candidate and then finally offer them a job and seeing the smile on their face mm-hmm. when you offer them a job and they know that they're going to have a steady income and be able to provide for their family. Uh, I mean, that, that kind of warms my heart. That's kind of, a, that's, you know, being able to gamefully employ somebody and, and help help them in their career. I think that that's, you know, those are, it's those little things that really impact mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm seeing like a lot in you, somebody who's very people oriented and somebody who like enjoys seeing other people succeed. Can, what can you attribute that to? Uh, I, I, I ascribe to, um, um, there's, there's a whole philosophy around leadership and I, I firmly believe in servant leadership mm-hmm. um, in that, from a leader's standpoint, I think it's my responsibility and I should be held accountable for helping Mm -hmm. others succeed. Mm -hmm. And I love to see that happen. Um, It's not in in a company. It's not about you as the individual. It's about you as you as a team member. It's the success of your team. It's the success Mm -hmm. of others. And uh, so that's where where I really enjoy is, is is again seeing new students come in and we hire them and seeing them succeed in the company. It's seeing people that I brought into the company years ago that are now in very senior positions in the organization. Mm-hmm. It, that that's what really you know engages me. Mm-hmm. Where does that servant attitude come from? Um, I th- I think that you know I guess that goes back to my parents and that's what they taught me was was you know to help others mm-hmm. and help by helping others, you're helping yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I think it's cultural exposure and seeing what pe- different people do around the world and different cultures do around the world. And I really admired the cultures who, you know, put others first and, mm-hmm. and wanted to see them succeed. Um, I've been involved with philanthropy for quite, quite a while and in, you know, charitable giving and so on and, and helping, you know, those people less fortunate to succeed. I, I guess it's just part of my DNA. And it's an interesting question. I, I, I guess I've got, to, I've got to, you know, tie that back to my parents, mm-hmm. I think. Can you talk a little bit more about the philanthropy that you're interested in or that you're doing work in? Yeah, there's, there's a number of them. I have a, I've, I have a special one, though, that, that I'm very involved in. And, and uh, 
it's it's in the local community in which I live, and um, it's for um, it's for individuals with learning disabilities. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, basically, the the state of Texas does not rank very highly in providing support for pe to people with learning disabilities mm -hmm. post high school. Um, mm -hmm. Generally, what happens is is uh, individuals who have learning disabilities get state support through high school, but after high school, they're very much on their own. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a, a charity uh, that I sit on the board of in, in the place that I live, and um, I, I commit my time, I commit you know, financial resources, uh, again, to try to provide a better life experience to those people with learning disabilities. The place provides you know, housing, uh, provides day programs, uh, learning opportunities, uh, excursions to people who just would not have had that experience in the past. And again, I, I think I feel strongly to be a to be a whole human being, you should be giving back and helping people who are less fortunate yourself. And mm -hmm. I take great pride in that. So then to see how kind of passionate you are talking about um, your philanthropy and your um, view on charity, can you tell me some more about your passions that may not directly correlate to your career? My passions that don't correlate to my career. Well, I have a passion for golf, but I'm not very good about good <laughs> at it. Um, um, you know, I, I, I like to get out there. It's, it's actually my wife and I play golf a, a lot on the weekends because it's an opportunity. I'm so busy during the week and mm -hmm. career consumes me and you know, I'm not the best person to ask about work-life balance, for example, mm -hmm. but certainly on the weekends, uh, it's a great opportunity for us to get out in nature and, and uh, play golf for three or four hours. Um, I also enjoy boating. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, it, I think what I would say there is it, it, I did kind of tie it in there to work-life balance. You know, work and life balance means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, I think you've got to find the balance between what you enjoy doing and mm -hmm. your career. And uh, th these are some of the things that, that I enjoy doing in my downtime. It's, mm -hmm. It helps me to relax. It helps me to decompress. And I think you know, everybody needs that. Yeah, for sure. The other one is my, I'm passionate about, and I shouldn't say this on this call, I'm passionate about UT football, although, oh. although they need a lot of improvement this year. That was going to so, be my following yeah, question. Yeah, no, no. Maybe we shouldn't talk about that one. <laughs> so you're a big football? I am. I, I'm a big college football fan. Okay. I prefer college football to professional football. Um, I'm also a big, um, I guess because of growing up in England, I'm a big um, Premier League soccer, oh, well, I guess, Football it's called day. soccer here, but really it should be called football. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big uh, English football fan. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but, you know, let's not talk about Texas Longhorn football right now. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm also a fan of football, but Roll Tide. Uh, well, that's, I was actually at the, uh, at the national championship game in 2010 when Texas played Bama. Mm -hmm. And you guys cruelly took out our quarterback after the first drive, and it was all downhill from there. So. <laughs> Maybe we should just end, end the interview right now. Yeah, right now. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> Are you doing what you first envisioned you would do when you first started college? No. No, no way. That never, never in my life dreamt it. I, I, um, so at UT, I got my degree in economics. Um, okay. When I graduated from UT, I was more interested in the company that I went to work for. It was more interesting to me to find a home mm 
mm. with a kind of a culture that and values that appealed to me. So I joined Halliburton um, in the human resources area, which I have never envisioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, you know, throughout my career, I've just done different things that, and this is actually a great question for this podcast and because um, I, I do a lot of speaking with prospective um, college graduates mm-hmm. and I'm always asked about career paths. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a great question for, for college graduates to ask about their career path um, and you should have an idea of your career path and what you want to do but I would also highly encourage everybody to be very flexible mm-hmm. because you may have this prescribed career path in your mind but as you start the journey and remember college is a four-year maybe five-year journey uh, sprint and then mm-hmm. you get into a career and you're going to be doing that career for 35 40 years maybe um, you know, look around and see different opportunities and take some risks from mm-hmm. time to time. And I think that's one of the things I've done in my career is uh, I've tried to broaden myself, but by sometimes doing things that are completely unexpected and out of the norm because there was some new area of interest that I wanted to go explore and, and learn. And uh, so career paths, um, it's a great idea, but it, I asked my colleagues that my that they're on our executive committee with me when we talk about career paths, none of us have gone through the career path that we would have envisioned when we started our career 35 years ago, for mm-hmm. example. So be flexible and learn as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Then to kind of end this podcast on a more fun note, right. we're going to play a game of this or that. Okay. okay. So I'm going to give you two options quickly. Tell me which one you choose. Okay. okay. Summer or winter? Summer. Summer, okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Truth or dare? <laughs> dare. <laughs> Sweet or savory? Savory. Savory, okay. When it comes to wings, drums or flats? There's one correct option. Drums. And you got it. <laughs> <laughs> Dogs or cats? Dogs. And then last one. So I know you said that you like to read a lot. Can you give us a book recommendation? Um, I'm trying to think how to tie it into you guys. Um, Just anything the, yeah, you would like. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I read a lot of business books. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a great book on leadership, actually. The one okay. one that, that I enjoyed reading just because I like studying leadership as part of my role, obviously. Um, and I also like history. Mm-hmm. So there's a great book on, on leadership called uh, Lincoln on Leadership. Okay. And it basically ties um, leadership principles back to what Abraham Lincoln did in okay. running the company, running the country, <laughs> and obviously recognize one of the greatest presidents we ever had. Forget political affiliations here; he just is. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, it's an easy read, and for a prospective student who wants to understand some of the basic concepts of leadership and do it in a historical context of how how it was applied I would highly encourage that that book but then there's other little books I mean who moved my cheese is is an easy read on change management for example Mm -hmm. um then you get into the more difficult books like execution and strategy Mm -hmm. and all kinds of things like that but and then in terms of I really don't read much much fiction these days because I have so much to read on on business and things like that when I'm traveling. Um, but the other thing I would say on reading is 
stay up to date on, on mm -hmm. current affairs, yeah. not only because of the implication on you personally, mm -hmm. but the implication on your company, just to understand what's going on in the world. Cool. With that, that's kind of all I have for you. Do you have anything you want to close with or add? No, I really appreciate being with, being with you here today. Thank it's you so really much cool idea. for coming. Yeah, it was so fun to interview you, get to know you a little bit more. Thank you so much for your time. All right, thank you. <laughs>